Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Dishes and Dimes. This is Katie, and I'm joined today by Noor and Kelsey. What's up, ladies? Not much, Katie. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm having like um, a more tentative morning. I'm, I'm trying to be very positive. I'm trying to be very positive about our Lord and Savior, Kyle Lowry. How are you doing, Kelsey? About the same. I mean, I'm reading all of those podiatrists who've invaded our Twitter feeds telling us everything's fine. So that's kind of giving me relief. <laughs> if the podiatrist listening to this, you know, if you're going to come with some good information, some optimistic information, that's what we want to hear. Otherwise, I don't need so many podiatrists in my feed at the moment. Yeah, just tell us what no, we want to hear. Yeah, otherwise we have selective reading. Yeah, then I just don't want to read. I know I woke up like multiple times in the middle of the night just being like, okay, do they have an update yet? Do they have an update yet? I can't go to sleep without my point guard not knowing where he is. How is he feeling? What's he doing? But I guess, you know, that's what, that's what happens when you're a fan of the most harsh organization. You got to wait it out. Yeah, I mean, there was kind of something a bit lacking from that win. I mean, I never thought I would say that about 150 points series win on a series sweep you know but it did feel like it wasn't it wasn't 100 percent complete I think it 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 was bittersweet but at the same time it also kind of gives you some insight into what the Boston series would be like because you wonder is Boston's bench in the absence of Hayward and god forbid anyone else going to be able to put up 100 points on their own against the Raptors bench no that's a good point and we can, we can just end the episode right there. Yeah. <laughs> no. And that's, and that's us for the week. <laughs> yeah. um, well, like, Noor, did you have any big kind of takeaways from last night or were you just like kind of torn? I just found I couldn't pay attention. I wanted to be oh, all yeah, in, but same. I couldn't pay full attention to the game. Me neither. As enjoyable as it was, I think everyone just in the back of their minds, they were just like, where is our engine? What's he doing? Is he going to be here for the next series? Um, But I will say that just looking at how the bench produced and freaking putting up a hundred points, that's, that's really good, especially com- especially when you're going to be facing a team like Boston because Boston is very top-heavy. I just don't know if they have the bench depth to match our depth. So when it comes to that, especially if, let's say, if we can't have Lowry for the first two games, I think our bench would really have to come through. And maybe the Brooklyn series was just, just a good practice for them to really get their momentum going and get them prepared for the Boston series. Yeah, I think, like, I think so. And I think... I, saw, I think I saw Iman tweeted this, but there were such like bright spots in this series overall with like all the Raptors roster and especially in players like Norman Powell, who, you know, there's times when you're a little bit in the regular season, like Norm, like, what are you doing, man? And then in the playoffs, he just always manages to come through um, these just like hammering, like it's like hammering drives or like clutch shots. Like he always seems to be making the right decision. He's like super intuitive He's he just like not he's like unbackdownable, you know. It's just kind of like exactly yeah. the punching energy that they need. And if going into the Celtics series without Larry, God forbid, then I think they're gonna need that kind of like uh energy, especially like generative offensive energy from everyone, just going on what we saw the last time the Raptors faced the Celtics. Yeah, Norm's like that friend that like will flake on you every time you're supposed to hang out. But as soon as you like break up with your boyfriend or your point guard hurts the arch of his foot, 
he is right there giving you everything that you could possibly need. <laughs> he's amazing. He's like powerful. Yeah. Like he just has this he is power powerful. in him. Like I feel like when he's like driving, no one can stop him. He's almost unstoppable. He's just got this energy and this um, this strength in him. And and seeing that, especially knowing how many injuries he's gone through, and he comes back stronger than before. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he does or what kind of voodoo he has going on, but <laughs> help a girl out, Norm. I'm struggling. There's like, I think there's a reason why every time, you know, like that signature kind of move Norm does when he, he's either going to dunk or he's just yeah, like yeah. reaching for the basket, but it always looks like the creation of Adam painting. Yeah. Like, it all, like it always does. It's like always like an MJ reel. <laughs> he's so good. But yeah, hundred percent. I think we need him. We need Ibaka's production. Ibaka was phenomenal yesterday. Like and not sinking even, all those threes. Oh my goodness. And then his mid-range and outside of his mid-range, his his defense was amazing. Like his rebounds, he was on top of his rebounds. And he made Marc Gasol jump out of his seat. I don't know if you guys watch the bench, but I like watch the bench to see the reactions. And no matter what anyone does, Mark like everyone's like hopping, hobbling, they're yelling, they're <laughs> screaming. And then there's just Marc Gasol like crossed arm, looking down, just like, okay, business as usual. But last night I think Ibaka had this rebound and after that, that rebound he had this dunk and Mark like almost fell over. He was so excited. <laughs> Maybe because he just feels in his body more like what that feels like. He can, yeah, you know, he can be true. more empathetic. He's like, oh man, like I know how that would feel because I also have my gigantic and strong Avengers <laughs> body. <laughs> That's so true. And maybe like it's their bond too, right? They seem mm-hmm. like they're super close mm-hmm. and talk in Spanish. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different dynamic than most teams would have. I mean, when you are the starting center and then you trade for someone else who then becomes the primary starting center, you would think there would be a little bit of hostility. Mm-hmm. But between Mark and Serge, it seems like it's just brought them closer. Especially like knowing Ibaka's temperament. Mm-hmm. It's like, how are you so cool with all of this? How are you like so buddy-buddy? And I feel like if you look at the bench wall, and I know people have said that Raptors have one of the louder benches in the bubble and it kind of, you can see how that is when you watch the bench while the Raptors are playing because Ibaka's there like laying on the ledge in the middle and just talking to everyone, making everybody laugh. <laughs> And it's everyone's just bought into their roles, and it, it's hard not to love this team. Please make it past the Celtics. I think it was like a Nurse said it, and a couple other people said it, and like during the series that when it was like the Nets home game. So I guess just like the last two games that they really cranked up their volume for like the in arena kind of effects. <laughs> it uh, and it seemed a lot it, louder. Yeah, and it made it really difficult. Like they found themselves like shouting, they said, when they were trying to like discuss plays and at timeouts. But I feel like I like that that was just made redundant with like all of the bench noise going on and that you could hear the bench kind of like yeah. all of it. <laughs> they just look like buddies. Like I want to hang out with them. Yeah. And they were so <laughs> loud and so like animated. And that's even without O'Shea. <laughs> like, the leader in bench celebrations. Yeah, that's so true. I think like we could talk about I don't want to like I don't know we can if you both want to but I don't want to get too deep into like worrisome points with the Celtics series again this is trying to be where this is like a positive 
yeah, we just circle putting positive energy into the universe for Lowry. Um, but there were a lot of fouls. Yes. <laughs> a lot of fouling in the game last night. And I wonder, I do wonder if it was just kind of like the pace, because the pace was like really ratcheted up, which I liked a lot. But it was also the kind of pace you want to see in a series against Boston. So the fouling is a bit worrisome because we, it's not like we can have like Fred VanVleet uh, and I guess it's like all the starters fouling out by the end of the second quarter. No, and especially if we're not going to have Lowry for at least one game or whatever report's going to come out eventually, you can't have your other starting guard in foul trouble in the first quarter because the Raptors bench is deep. But when, when all your guards foul out, what are you yeah. kind of left with? Mm-hmm. Patrick McCall. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't even have him. Damn, we don't have the champion. Just point Stanley. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I, I like. I mean, I haven't minded seeing Stanley play point, but it's like not at a, these crucial times, and I don't really know. I don't really know yet if I trust him, like under that kind of pressure. But you never know. Yeah, I think that's the only spot where we don't really know if we have like that third stringer to get us along if the first two aren't really there. Because in terms of center, like even having Boucher is pretty huge. It's massive. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, having you can't really sub Stanley Johnson in in terms of uh, in in place of Fred VanVleet. So hopefully Kyle is back. We could have even probably lost last night, to be honest. Give him an extra day to recover. No, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that either. That's just playing too much with the basketball gods. Yeah, I saw that going around last night, and I thought that Kelsey and I also was just like, well, no, like I every like even against the Nets, if that series went longer, every playoff game is a little bit of like a slog. It's a strain. Like it's it's always a little bit different. And I just I don't I wanted them to put this behind them and like end on a good momentum, and then like they're not going to have too much time to rest to have those days. No, it's good for us as fans. That's true too. It gives us back time again to Thursday. Rest. <laughs> get some sleep. Get Calm ready. Our down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because it's like we're ready for Boston Celtics. Yeah, it's like three days till the next game, and we were all, we had no basketball for what like four months. Yeah, and I'm already itching. Like, okay, <laughs> what am I gonna do for three days? I know. I'm like, I don't want to watch the Lakers no. today. I mean, I will, but yeah, we're, we've been pretty spoiled about that. Quickly, are we still worried about Pascal Siakam? <laughs> no, we're not worried about Pascal Siakam. I don't know why anyone was worried about him in the first place. I mean, okay, so the team high in points for the entire series, Fred had 76 total. Pascal had 63 and he was second place. So what is what is it exactly that we're worrying about? I don't think you need to worry, especially when you have so many good players around Pascal. Like, you're not entirely reliant on Pascal to win you the game unless it's, like, legit crunch time. You need to give the ball to someone. You need to have someone come up with a play, and that has to be your superstar. But outside of that, like, I feel like we're just such a cohesive unit that – even Pascal, when Lowry went away last night, he kind of took over the role of playmaking. Um, mm-hmm. He was helping the other players get going. So I forgot the question. <laughs> oh, just are we worried about him? We're not. Oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> oh, that's why I forgot it. No, we're not. <laughs> what kind of question is that? 
Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty like in in all the post game like scrums when it, the questions come up, whether it's like directly to him or to teammates. Obviously, like his teammates have shot it down, like, and I think for good reason. But all Pascal really said he's just like you know, yeah, I've noticed a difference in my rhythm in terms of like how I was playing before the season uh, hiatus, and now that I'm back, he's like, I'm not happy with it, but like I'm not really worried. But I did kind of like that he acknowledged he had a different feeling. It wasn't that he was playing worse or like there's a real reason for it, but he was just like, you know, as soon as I find that rhythm again, like I'll be back yeah. at it. And I think that's something we've seen with Pascal like throughout his entire career, right? It's just like he kind of hits these. I won't even call them slumps. They're just kind of like plateaus, right? Because he doesn't get worse. He just like stays very good versus extremely good. You know, like he'll have 26 points and we'll be like, oh, he had a quiet game. Whereas like, <laughs> you know, we that's so lucky. That's something that like two years ago, we would have been like, this is like his all time, you know, like best. But now it's just like he can, he can be a contributor. He can like he can be a really vital part of the game, but if it, if he has a quiet, not explosive game, it like puts up alarm bells, which I don't really think is fair. But all that said, the way that he played last night, it did feel like he found that rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing with Pascal also is I feel like we're putting so much pressure on a guy who's, this is his first year in that role. And he's exceeded expectations since, since when he's gone into basketball. He's been astronomical each year he's taking the leap and I think as fans especially as Pascal Siakam fans we should we owe him that just the doubt that like the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be able to come through if not this season then next season he will be our guy we've seen him make that leap year after year so to have these almost um crazy expectations on a guy who he just was given the keys to the team right after Kawhi left and he has to now understand what his role is as the main guy on a team and what that really entails. And being that, the being doing this in his first postseason, um, I wouldn't say I'm expecting like superstar numbers because that's that's unrealistic to do. But I do think because of the leaps that he's made, he's gonna be the guy that we turn to when it comes to crunch time. And if we can't turn to him, we have Fred. And if we can't turn to Fred, we have Norm. And if we can't turn to Norm. We have surge like endless. Yeah, we have an, this like limitless well of scoring options that not a lot of teams. I mean, you look at the Clippers, and you have Kawhi, and then you have one of the Morai who's taking like a almost game winning shot before the Luka Doncic experience, and Paul George is nowhere to be found. I don't think we will ever have that issue with Pascal. I'll ask you guys this, though. Are you guys worried about the shooting? Mm, Like, yes and no. I mean, I only worry about the shooting when, like, the shots don't fall from deep, and that's all that they're trying. And then I like it when they can adjust, you know, and, like, okay, like, you know, they're not falling from outside. Let's get back to driving. You know, let's get back to finishing at the rim. Let's, like, really focus on that. Because sometimes I think – there can be this sense of like, well, we got to catch up. And the, the quickest way to do that is obviously to make threes. But if you're not making those shots, then the deficit can climb even higher. And that is something that's happened with Boston, who who is like pretty stacked in terms of just like proficient clutch yeah. shooters. So no, I mean, and we know it, we, we see it with the Raptors. Like we, we're kind of used to these like lulls 
where it can get a little bit quiet, but so long as they're like making up for that in other ways, I'm all right with it. Yeah, yeah. as long as there's production, I don't care how it how it's made. As long as shots are being made, I don't care if they're falling from the half court or they're falling from right in the paint. I mean, they're going to get it done regardless because that's the kind of team they are. They don't have just one area to shoot from. They don't only have one scoring option. There's multiple plans of attack. And we have the genius behind it, Nick Nurse. I feel like if anyone's going through a shooting slump, he will do, like he has, he's able to make the adjustments that we need. And as long as you have a coach that makes adjustments, I think you have a chance, even if you're having a bad shooting night. Yeah. I mean, I, I give him a lot of, um, I, I, <laughs> I come down, him, down on him pretty hard, but I feel like uh, to his credit, Brad Stevens is not a bad coach. He can be quite versatile. <laughs> so that'll be an interesting matchup. Yeah, that's thing against Boston. Mm-hmm. Brad Stevens actually um, adapts. He actually makes sure that he can have, you know, changes in the game and not throw the same thing over and over again, like certain other coach that we know. So I think like it would be a nice coach off too with Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens just kind of going at each other. And then you have Pascal and Tatum and hopefully Lowry's back and he can just neutralize Kemba. I guess that would be Fred's job probably. But it's going to be a fun series. Get ready to be so going to get weird. Suspended. <laughs> It is going to get weird. I'm like making my second account right now. (laughs) It's going to get weird. Like um, it's probably going to get a bit heated, maybe chippy. I just, the thing about Brad Stevens I don't like is when he gets extremely intense at the side, he looks a little bit like a demon, especially in like the polos that they're wearing. It just like offsets his eyes in a very intense way. (laughs) Or like a small child who's just been told no. Yeah, the child coach Brad Stevens. That's what I always say. (laughs) Always having a tantrum. Child coach Brad Stevens. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I was shocked when I learned of Brad Stevens' age. 43 years old. Also, do you want to know something extremely tragic? He and I have the same birthday. No. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was like despondent for days. Did you ask me to change? I might have to. I don't like yeah, that. Like Brad, could you like just please? <laughs> yeah, like what, what time cover? of day were you born? Like, let's put our charts side by side. Like, <laughs> are you more? It's like Libra Scorpio cusp. So, like, where do all your other signs align? Because you know we can't we can't be that much the same. Please, no. <laughs> um, I mean, you're both very smart. smart. Well, thanks. But you don't look like a small child. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. I can take I can take some comfort in that. And you both love Marcus Smart. Yeah. All right. But I mean, I don't want to go down this road because I don't want to keep thinking <laughs> you don't want any commonalities that I have. And we've never seen together in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I'm gonna. I'm truly gonna change the subject. Um, <laughs> So I think just in terms of like what we saw last night, you know, the record performance by Toronto's bench, do you think that Boston's bench uh, is going to be deep enough to compete with the Raptors bench? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't, because to be honest with you, I cannot, I can name like one person from the Boston bench and that's the Time Lord. And I don't even remember his first name. What is it? (laughs) Robert Williams? 
I was just going to say, I'll let Kelsey go first because I don't know who's on the Boston bench <laughs> besides Enos Cantor. And I mean, we're fine with Enos Cantor. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're all right. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think we have anything to worry about with the bench as long as our bench is producing and they've known to do that. It's just shooting. Just come and shoot. That's it. Yeah, I mean, their bench, like the Celtics bench... They're just, they haven't seen the floor as much as Toronto's. Because I, I think even like Toronto's deep bench, I know we're, so I, I ran a poll on the Dishes and Dimes Twitter, but I can't remember what my favorite answer was. But the, the yet to be named deep bench of the Raptors already gets more time on the floor than I'm sure the Celtics like second rotation does. So just like their familiarity with gameplay makes me a lot more comfortable, um, especially in like a pressure situation where you're putting the bench in not just to like, you're, you're resting your starters, yeah, but you also want them to be contributing and you don't want them to like come back with a deficit, right? Like you want them to be able to at least like keep things tight or like come ahead with a lead, of course. And I think we've seen the Raptors bench has been able to do that extremely consistency, consistent rather, like all season and especially within the bubble. Okay. <laughs> We've got nothing else to say about the bench. Um, we just don't know them, Katie. <laughs> yeah, we, it's true. We don't know them. Well, let's talk about the guys we do know because Kelsey and I uh, talked about this a little bit on Lockdown Raptors this week, but we were kind of lamenting, aside from like Daniel Tice and Gordon Hayward, how unfortunately likable a lot of the Celtics are. <laughs> And is that going to make things difficult? Not for the Raptors, but for us as fans. No, I think like for me, I just see red. Okay. If it's the opposing team, I don't care who it is. I just see red. If it's Kawhi, I'll be like, we're coming to get you. Um, But (laughs) I think I really like uh, Jalen Brown. I'm a huge fan of Jalen Brown. I'm a big fan of Marcus Smart too. I just feel like Marcus Smart is like the Walmart Kyle Lowry for Boston Celtics. He does everything that Kyle Lowry does. But no, when it's when it's go time, I don't know them. I don't care for them. Keeping <laughs> you, but they are a very likable. Now team I feel like, we, guys. yeah. What you said about Kawhi, like now we're coming for you. But now I feel like it's oh, like now we're coming for you. Get in, we're gonna take you away from this terrible. Place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel so bad for him. Actually, I, I feel kind of bad for Paul George too. After all those memes, I'm just like, oh, this poor guy probably gets. It's off the, the court. I'm sure the first thing all they, they all do is just go on social media. And he probably just sees like endless streams of memes and memes and memes. And I mean, it's kind of deserved, but at the same time, it's just like, it's so sad. Poor Kawhi. What did you do? Like, why did you have to go and play with playoff P? You had the real, you had Norman Powell and multiple playoffs. You had, and you had P squared. Yeah. You had playoff P squared. Yeah. Playoff P cubed. <laughs> but no, he wanted to go to Paul George, which is fine. But I mean, now they're, they're what? It's 2-2, right? Against uh, Clippers and Mavs? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just like, because I think you see you see what it meant. It's almost like the inverse of what people said, like, oh, Kawhi, you know, carried the Raptors. Not us, but people who don't know Kawhi carried the Raptors to the championship. Whereas like, no, Kawhi was like obviously a huge contributing factor, but he had the full support of the Raptors 
like a very intuitive team, a very deep team, a team who would never leave him sprawled out on the floor with Luka Doncic running away from him in like a million years, you know, he would never be in that position where he actually has to put a whole team on his back. And I think we're now seeing how that works. I know. I think we just needed him really for the Philly series. Like we just needed him to get over the hunch for the Philly series. But after even Orlando, after Bucks and Warriors, you saw so many Raptors step up and do what they had to do, especially when Kawhi didn't have his game going or he had a, he had an off night. So it's been, I wonder like, does he sit there? Does he think like, Oh, did I make that decision? But I know he also chose to go home. So I'm sure it, for him, basketball is still basketball and home is home. But I, I haven't seen so much emotion on his face like ever. And I've been a Kawhi fan for a long time. And like this, <laughs> this postseason, it's just every video I see, I'm like, oh my God, you need a massage. You need to go to therapy. You need to get checked out, Kawhi. <laughs> you need Let me help you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it sucks. And it like, I don't know, we can feel, I think we can feel bad for Kawhi now I mean obviously he made his decision but I don't think you know there's any resentment left there but it is like a slight sort of like look see what see what happens when you don't have the strength of like an entire working roster behind you and you just kind of cherry-picked I guess your one backup who you sort of like bet the farm on (laughs) and like the hopes for the franchise future with the Clippers on in Paul George and like what what's going to become of that. Yeah, they traded their entire future mm-hmm. for Kawhi's backup, backup, backup pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's Shea, like if you look at what Shea Gilgis-Alexander is doing compared to what Paul George is doing, it's kind of hilarious everything that they gave away to get Paul George, who is producing absolutely nothing. Like <laughs> minus points, if anything. He's like helping the maps. Yeah. <laughs> Minus points and also just, I think, like a detractor in like energy too, Mm -hmm. you know, and like that kind of like more intangible production because he is just like largely so down on everybody talking about his performance when I think like, obviously that must suck, but I also think a lot of players at this level, while they are on social media, no, they don't all have burner accounts like KD, they get a thicker skin, right? They're, they're kind of like, this comes with the territory. Sometimes, I, well, most of the time, I think a lot of comments from fans like get like way out of line. Uh, but for the most part, they're sort of used to it. So like when, when you know, when Paul George is just like, don't, don't watch me. <laughs> well, first it's like, how, how would we do that, Paul? <laughs> but Do you have like a, a version where you can just blur out your figure when you're running <laughs> around? Like, yeah. Lord, Paul, I'm sorry. And then when he's like, I, what are you talking about? Like, I never talk about my performance on social media when like, that's kind of all he's doing. So that's not that positive either. You can tell it's bothering him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, after, you know, getting into it with Damian Lillard and all that, I don't feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you made your bed and it's ga- it's Dame time, baby. Buckle up. <laughs> Did you guys see um, Seth Curry after he, I guess he dunked on or he made a layup on it. I forget which one it was over uh, Paul George. And right after he called him the B word. Uh-huh. I was just like this no, series <laughs> a reality show. Like this needs to be on Netflix tomorrow night. Well, I will what was it. your tweet, Noir? Because I had to read it like several <laughs> times. 
I, I couldn't put the names in. <laughs> then I went overboard. So I was just like, just take five minutes, guys. Just read it, okay? Make a chart. So we have Paul George. <laughs> Make a tree. So we have Paul George, who dated Doc Rivers' daughter, Callie Rivers, mm-hmm. I think, right? I don't know mm-hmm. why I know this. And then he cheated on her and dumped her for another woman who he impregnated. And then he asked her to abort the child, but mm-hmm. she didn't. So he went on to, 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 so he left Doc Rivers' daughter for her. And now he plays for the Clippers, which is run under Doc Rivers. And then the opposing team currently that he's playing against is the Mavericks, is the Dallas Mavericks. And on their roster, they have Seth Curry, who is currently engaged or married actually to Callie Rivers, Paul George's ex and Doc Rivers' daughter. So I don't, I for, I'm already losing my train of thought. So no, you're with it. It makes opera. yeah, you're with it. <laughs> so it's it's like it's like a, a soap opera, really, like a family drama within a family drama. And I would like I would kill to be a fly on the wall for just the entire series, just like no, like knowing what's being said, or even like I would take like like I guess what sign language or just learn how to read lips just to understand what's being said. But after I saw, after I made that tweet, a couple hours later they played. And then right after he made that layup, he went over to Paul George and he called him the B word. Oh. And I was just like, oh my God. I'll actually, I'll tweet it right after this. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Right on cue. I would pay. I would pay so much to watch that. That reality. Yeah. It would be pretty good. I mean, you'd also have Steph Curry involved by proximity too yeah yeah <laughs> which is even better oh yeah that's yeah I mean when you put it that way then I, I even more agree with Kelsey that like Paul George has largely done this to himself in his last like you know how many years was that like he's he's sowed he sowed the seeds of his own retribution <laughs> <laughs> yeah like he's had a while to grow some thick skin mm-hmm. and understand like what the fans, fans are fans social media social media people will say what they say for likes and rts grow some thick skin or also stop making stupid decisions stupid impulsive decisions but he hasn't learned his lesson just do something do anything do anything do anything we just beg you um just help Kawhi. Yeah, help Kawhi out for starters. That's literally what you're there for. <laughs> help him or give him back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're not going to take I, care of it, give it back. <laughs> I do like that, though. Now the, the narrative that Kawhi carried the Raptors is like, no one can say that anymore. Because no. Kawhi's like really carrying the Clippers. Yeah, you the narrative is like, it's gone. It's like, it's it's put to bed. Um, I guess before we put this episode to bed in the morning. Anyway, back to bed for a nap. Uh, we should quickly just touch on like, are there any other kind of things you're looking out for, things you want to touch on uh, before the Celtics series gets underway? Get better, Kyle. Yes. Yeah, I want everyone to take some time out of their day and just pray, hope for Kyle's recovery and just make sure he's there for game one. But I think it was you who said that, um, or maybe it's Kelsey. I'm not too sure if that, if maybe we don't have Kyle for the first game, it could even be a good thing. It might throw off Boston. So Kelsey said that. Yeah. So you know, that's just galaxy braining though. I mean, <laughs> we don't I want like to upset the basketball gods, but we also don't want an injured Kyle. So no, we don't. 
We don't. I mean, I did take some solace in remembering last season when he literally, like his thumb was about to fall off all the time and he wore an oven mitt around and he still played through it. I don't want him to have to do that, but we know the resiliency of this guy. Yeah. What's the like foot equivalent of an oven mitt? Like a a slipper? Like a croc maybe. (laughs) Let's get him some crocs pronto. Kyle Lowry croc game is. Or Uggs. Probably Uggs. Uggs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get him some Uggs. Uh, <laughs> I think that's it. Is there anything else that we we want to plug individually or together? I don't think so. Our Patreon, our Patreon. If you haven't signed up for our Patreon yet, we have some more exclusive, exciting content on the way. And special guests as well. Yes. And if that's it, thank you so much for joining us on our latest app of Dishes and Times. Bye. Bye. Bye.